Happy New Year. Thank you, thank you. Hey, listen, thank you for being in church today. No, seriously, thank you for being in church today. I just love all you guys, and thank you for uh, getting up. I was, as I was driving in this morning, it was cold, it was raining. Uh, you know, I stayed up way past my bedtime. I don't think I hit the sack to like quarter to ten. And so I was a little tired, and I thought about all you guys, and I know how y'all love to party. And I, I just want to thank you so much for being here. So many reasons to stay home, so many excuses. I'm going to be really disappointed if the second service isn't packed with people. So what I want you to do right now is look around and see the committed people. I want you to look around you and see the people who really love Jesus. They're all around you today. And thank you guys again. I really, really appreciate you being here. How about our parking lot team? Can we give it up for our parking lot team on this day? Man, when I drove up and parked... Um, in my little spot, I, I immediately the parking lot guy was there with an umbrella and just, uh, he had one kind of folded up. I thought he was going to hand me that one. He handed me the one that was open and he took the one that was folded. And I, a little tear went down my face. It was just, I just thank God for our parking lot. Because what happens out there has a lot to do with our state of mind when we get in here. Amen. I mean, if you get mistreated out there, you're probably not going to listen to the worship or the preaching when you get in here. And I just love the way our folks are Jesus, even outside, and love all of our Valerie's team. Man, Valerie is our, our um, um, uh, guest services director and so many other titles that she has and so many other, other things she does, Valerie too, and and we just love her so much, and she always has her team here. Thank God for the children's volunteers. You know, on a day like this, when it's really a challenge, I mean, with the holidays, and you're kind of still in the holiday mode, I think about our media guys who are here way before you are, turning everything on, getting the temperature just right. Think about Jim Gilligan and his team and the emergency response team that may not function every Sunday in an emergency, but boy, when we've needed them in an emergency, they are right on it, and so many people have been helped, and so many people have been blessed by them, and I just, I tell you, guys, it is so much more than most people realize, especially a church like ours, to make things happen on a Sunday morning, and I just want to take a little time on this first day of the new year to tell all the media guys, children's ministers and, and children's volunteers. and um, We've got student ministry going on in the second service today. Just so many teams, so many things, so many people behind the scenes. Joe Parrott working this morning to get stuff at Mount Olive because they were having all kind of issues over at Mount Olive. And I walked in, he and Mitchell are on the phone with Andrew. And just think about talking to Andrew about technical stuff. I mean, just think about... <laughs> how hard that alone is. And uh, they were getting stuff solved in Mount Olive. And this morning, Pastor Jim Wall has taken over as the campus pastor at Goldsboro. And he preached Thursday night. And I was there. And his sermon was, you know, it was all right. And, um, <laughs> and then today, man, he's preaching. We are blessed. Our church is so blessed. Amen. And I just thank God for the quality people, the quality commitment that people have 
uh, toward the bridge. I just love them for that. And what about our worship leader up here today, Gage? That boy's got it going on, don't he? Amen. Yeah, buddy, I, I love Gage. Gage grew up in our church, and, and now he's uh, on staff and a worship leader. And then I looked at Kevin over here. He grew up in Royal Rangers. He grew up in our church. He's a missionary now. Whew, can we, we all just come to the altar and have a hallelujah time, hadn't we? God has been good to us, and we thank him for it. We are talking today in this one message as we go into the new year about our choices about our decisions. We're going to talk about making choices that make you strong. Now, next week, we will begin a brand new series called Culture Wars. How many of y'all know that our culture is becoming more and more secular? Our culture is becoming more and more um, open to things that the Bible has said is wrong but our culture says, no, God was wrong. How do we as a church, how do you as an individual Christian remain influential while being true to the Word of God? How do you remain influential in this lost world, in this messed up world? How many of y'all agree we're pretty messed up? Amen. And how do we, how do we, how do we love? How do we, how do we show the heart of Jesus while at the same time saying no to the things God said no to and yes to the things God said yes to. How do, we, how do we balance that as an individual Christian and how do we balance that as a church? And so we're going to talk about that beginning next week. But today we want to talk about uh, the New Year's and, and we usually call the first Sunday of the year, the first weekend of the year, Vision Weekend or Vision Sunday. We usually talk about the church, but we've been saying a lot about vision lately and where our church is going. So what we want to do today is we want to talk about a vision for you, a vision for your life. And we want to talk about choices and decisions. You know, New Year's is about celebrating. It's about celebrating the new, but it's also about having survived the old. Amen. Who can say amen to that? 2016 was kind of tough for some people. And uh, Pastor Andy, I noticed in his prayer today that some people are going to go into the new year with some really tough challenges ahead of them. Here's what I learned a long time ago. I learned that resolutions usually fade. Predictions usually don't come true, but choices always have consequences. And the bridge said, a couple of questions for you. If your resolutions and predictions from last year were fulfilled, what would you be like right now? If the resolutions you made a year ago today, if the, if the predictions you made a year ago today were true, what kind of person would you be right now? Would you be smarter? Would you be healthier? Would you be richer? Would you be more committed? Here's a more important question. What kind of person are you going to be 365 days from today? What kind of person will you be? One truth remains. And that is that God has given us the freedom to choose, but he has not given us freedom from the consequences of our choice. You get to choose. You get to choose. God won't force anything on you. You get to choose. And you have the freedom to do that, but you don't have freedom from the fallout 
or freedom from the benefits. If you choose right, then you're going to enjoy the benefits. If you choose wrong, you will experience the consequences, the fallout of those choices. Our choices determine our consequences. You get to decide, will I be stronger a year from today or will I be weaker? We talked about every day in the series leading up to Christmas and New Year's. Our everyday choices determine the answer to the question, what will I be like 365 days from today? It's all up to you. It's up to you. It's up to the decisions you make. Whether you open your life to God and let Him work in your life, or you maintain control, or you take control of your life. Let's examine the life of a man, and I've preached on him before, but this time it's going to be from a little different perspective. Let's talk about Samson, the muscle man of the Bible, the he-man of the Bible. He was strong physically, but Samson was weak spiritually. And Samson's spiritual weakness came from poor decisions, very poor decisions. Now, his life started off awesome. Matter of fact, let's look at the scripture, Judges 13 and 24. It says, the woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and what? Come on. The Lord blessed him. The Lord blessed him. I mean, from day one. From the day he was born, he enjoyed the favor of God. He had it all. Good looks, muscles, strength, a godly mom and a godly dad, a godly family, a godly heritage. He had unlimited potential, but he wasted it all by rebelling against God and making bad decisions. Here's what we're going to do. Let me just tell you how we're going to break this thing down today. I want to talk to you about three choices that Samson made that weakened him and they'll weaken you. And under each of one of those three choices, we're going to have a lesson. So we're going to have three bad choices Samson made and under each one of those three lessons we need to learn from the bad choices he made. You with me? Everybody say amen. Here we go. Poor decision number one, Samson chose to be self-indulgent. Samson was undisciplined. He ignored his great need to be Holy Spirit controlled. He ignored it. He needed to be Holy Spirit controlled. We talk about self-control. Even the Bible, some translations of the Bible use that self-control. Actually, we don't want self-control. As a matter of fact, that's the problem. We want what? Holy Spirit control, God control. Samson ignored that. Anything in your life left out of control will weaken you and may ultimately destroy you. Spending out of control will ruin you. Eating out of control will ruin you. Sexual acts out of control will ruin you. Alcohol out of control will ruin you. Work too much out of control will ruin you. Basing everything on your emotions will eventually catch up with you. Samson's weakness was women. Samson's weakness was women. Samson was the playboy of the Old Testament. There are three chapters in the book of Judges that deal with Samson. And in those three chapters, there are three women. And Samson got in trouble with all three of them. In his first encounter, we find in Judges 14, verses 2 and 3, let's read it. 
So he went back and told his father and mother, I saw a woman. I saw a woman. In Timnah, one of the daughters of what? Who? The pagans. The pagans, the Philistines. He was a Jew. He was not to have a relationship with somebody, somebody outside the Jewish community, outside the Jewish family. And so what does that say to us? That says to us, and this, this is so against the grain with the world, you ought not, if you're a Christian young lady or a Christian young man, you ought not date somebody that's not a Christian. You certainly ought not marry somebody that's not a Christian. Amen. Thank you, sir. I, thank you. God bless you. Because that's hard for people to say amen to because we're like, hey, I, I'm going to marry whoever I'm attracted to, whoever I want to marry. So that's the problem, and that's exactly what Samson did. Samson said, I saw a woman. He said, she's one of the daughters of the Philistines. She's a pagan. She's not a Jew. And, and uh, we see the, the arrogance of Samson here. We see his lack of respect for his parents here. He says, now what? Get her for me. Go get her. Go get her. Look at the next slide. But his father and mother said to him, because they're godly parents. And so godly parents speak into the lives of their children. Their children don't like it sometimes. And there may be teenagers sitting here right now who you've been in an argument with your parents this morning or last night about a party you wanted to go to and they didn't want you to go to it because they knew what was going to be there. And you're mad and you're sitting here right now all huffed up and puffed up. And we see you. We know you're there. So if you're a godly mom and dad, you're going to speak into the life of your child. And so his parents spoke into his life and said, is there no woman among the daughters of your relatives, among our, our Jewish community, or among all our people, that you must go to take a wife from the pagan Philistines? Come on, Samson, you know better. We've taught you better. <laughs> Who've ever said that to their children? We've taught you better. Well, not many of you, evidently, because none of you raised your hand. You need to start saying that to your children. If you are teaching them better, I'm saying. And Samson said to his father, get her for me, because she be fine. Get her for me, because she's smoking hot. Y'all didn't even think I knew that about that, did you? Get her for me, because she what? Come on. She looks pleasing to me, man. Fine-looking young lady. I don't know where she's from. I don't, know, I don't know if she's pagan or not. All I know is she's looking good to me. Now, God had said to him, don't marry somebody who's not a Jew. And Samson actually, earlier in his life, had promised he would not. He had promised he wouldn't do it. His parents had warned him, but Samson's only thought was, this girl looks good, I want her for my wife. Boy, how many times has that mistake been made? And I'm not picking on the ladies here. Ladies, you've done the same thing. Men, you've done it times in your life when you look back, how many of y'all, how many of y'all maybe thought you loved somebody as a teenager and you thought you were going to marry them and then you didn't marry them and then you married the wonderful person you're married to and then you ran into that old girlfriend at the grocery store and your first reaction was, huh? 
And as you pushed your cart away, you looked up to heaven and said, glory be to God. Who's with me out there? Amen. <laughs> you know, that great gospel singer, Garth Brooks. Thank God for unanswered prayer. This is the way Samson lived his life. He lived his life this way. He lived it very selfishly, very self-indulgent. And he was like, I want what I want. I want it right now. And I'll worry about the consequences later. I'm not going to worry about the consequences now. Have you ever played that game just this one time? That's one of Satan's favorite games. Where he comes along and he tells you, hey man, it's no big deal. Everybody's doing it. It's just a little thing. Just do it this one time. Kind of get it out of your system. Then it'll be over with. You don't ever have to do it again. That's how he talks. That's how he talked to Eve. That's what got us in the trouble we're in today. It's those little things, it seems little, that have enormous impact on our lives. Somebody said, little leaks sink big ships. You have the freedom to choose, but you do not have the freedom to escape the consequences of your choices. It's like if you walked into a hardware store and there is a sign and there's this really expensive grass. I can't think of a really expensive grass right now. Uh, centipede. We'll just say centipede grass. How many of you? That's pretty expensive. So you go in there and it says free centipede grass. And then, on the end, and then at the bottom in the fine print, it says there's just a little bit of crabgrass in there. How many of you know free is not so great now? Because if you sow that seed, you're going to get some centipede, but you're going to get some crabgrass, and who wins? Crabgrass always wins. Why is it weeds thrive? I cannot grow flowers. Me and Miss Millie have the hardest time growing flowers, but we, uh, in the winter, had a plant spring up in the crack in our sidewalk. But we can't get a flower to grow, pouring fertilizer and rich soil. Uh, I mean, it's just Adam and Eve messed that up too. Everybody say, thank you, Adam and Eve. Thank you. Thank you very much. So it contains a small amount of crabgrass, a small amount of weeds. I'm telling you guys, it's the little things. The Bible says it's the, it's the uh, foxes that spoil the vine, talking about the little things that get in our life. Someone gives you a plate full of cookies, homemade, and a glass of cold milk. Who's for that? I'm for that. It's <laughs> been a long time since I've had it, but I'm for it. And they look at you and go, hey, listen, right before you drink that, there's only two or three drops of arsenic in that milk. Most of it's good. Most of it's really, really good for you. But there's two or three, I can't remember. I just kind of, but it's just two or three drops of arsenic in there. Who'd drink that? Nobody would drink that because you'd look and say, I would never drink that. I mean, if it didn't kill me right then, it would probably cause me to begin to have physical issues and physical problems. No matter which part of our life is out of control, money, sex, work, eating too much, alcohol, our schedule, it will eventually sink your life. Anything that's out of control in your life will sink your life. Here's the point. The weeds will eventually take over. So what's the lesson? So that's the first point. He was self-indulgent. That's the first poor decision. So what's the lesson we learned from this is that strong people discipline their desires. Strong people discipline their desires. Actually, there's a better way to say that than that. 
Strong people surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit to bring discipline in their lives. Amen? Look what the Bible says, and we used this scripture not long ago in another sermon, but it's still good for this one. 1 Corinthians 6 and 12, and it's not going to come up on the screen, so listen carefully. The Bible says just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually beneficial or spiritually appropriate for you. It says in the scripture, and I'm reading from the message, if I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, then I would be a slave to my whims. I would be a slave to my desires. So the lesson we learn, if you want to live a good life in the next year, is allow the Holy Spirit to discipline your desires. And look, not every desire we have is wrong, but they become wrong when they are not under the control of the Holy Spirit. Amen? You know what? It's like, a, it's like a, um, an awesome horse, a stallion, an incredible horse that has strength and speed, and he's healthy and he's huge, but he's wild. He's never been broken. That's a, that's a very gifted, very talented animal. So when, when a person, and they use the word breaks a horse, it doesn't mean that they break his talent or they break his strength or they break his heart or they break his, his spirit. It means that, the, that that horse has to bring all those talents, all those strengths, all that speed under the control of the rider. God is the rider. We are the horse. God doesn't want to break your talent or break your spirit or break your strength. He wants you to bring it under his control. And the people said, amen. Horses are much more valuable when they're under the control of the rider. Poor decision number two. Y'all with me out there? Poor decision number one, Samson uh, chose to be self-indulgent. Poor decision number two, Samson chose to hold on to bitterness. Judges 14 ends with this. His anger burned within him. There are people sitting here right now who you can't get any further in life, you can't make any progress because somebody has hurt you. And look, I'm not saying it, it, it's, uh, that your, your hurt isn't legitimate. I'm just asking you, are you, you going to let that person keep controlling you? Are you going to let that situation keep controlling your joy, keep controlling your happiness? Are you going to remain bitter? Because i got to tell you, man, when it comes to bitterness because of injustice that's been done to you, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to set you free from that because that is a strong emotion. That is a strong emotion that the Bible tells us can get roots down in your life and ruin you, the joy of your life. You can be a Christian and have this going on in you. And you will never produce the fruit God wants you to produce. And you'll never be the person God wants you. Listen, you'll never be the husband. You'll never be the wife. You'll never be the parent. You'll just never be who God wants you to be when you hold on to that bitterness burning within you. If you study your Bible, you'll see that Samson was a hothead. He lived in a constant state of anger, always reacting with violence. On one occasion, Samson wanted some clothes that belonged to other people, so he killed 30 men to get those clothes. In Judges 15 and 7, Samson said this to the Philistines. He said, I won't stop until I get you back. 
I won't stop until I get you back. Here's the deal about Samson. Samson was a reactor, not a proactor. Samson reacted instead of being proactive. Here, here's, a, here's the way to kind of define that, and I think you know what it means, but let me just take you a little further. Some of us operate on this mode, feel, then act, then think. When you operate on that mode, I feel, then I act, then I think. The thinking part is usually regret. Here's, here's how we need to be. And I got to tell you, this is one of those sermons where I'm pointing this finger at you guys, but these three are pointing right back at me. Amen. So here's the deal. What God wants us to do is think, and what he wants us to think about as Christians is his word. When we're in a situation, when we're in a situation that we could react to, instead of reacting, be proactive, think from the word, then act, and then feel good about your action because your thoughts were on God's word. Am I making any sense up here? So I'm telling you, in the new year, Make this your prayer. God, help me to be a proactor, not a reactor. Help me to not feel, act, think, but help me to think, then act, then feel. Because the feeling I have when I think first is a good feeling. The feeling I have when it's not, when I don't think first is a bad feeling. I know that. I've experienced that. You guys do too. You know what, what I'm talking about. You know, Feelings, emotions ought to be the caboose of your life. The Word of God ought to be the engine of your life. Let the Word of God be the engine. Let feelings be the caboose of your life. Revenge or getting even, and this is what Samson was all about, waste three things, time, energy, and creativity. Just think about you know where some of you guys are most creative? When you're thinking about how you can get somebody back, you, you just get all these really creative thoughts. Some of them will put you in jail. But they're very creative. You're very creative in how you can get some revenge or get somebody back. I mean, that's a strong emotion. You say, I never have that emotion. Mm. Do you drive on 70? Do you drive on Highway 70? So it's really important that we understand that we must be proactive. We must think first and not react in revenge. What's the lesson here? The lesson here is that strong people restrain their reactions. Strong people restrain their reactions. Now, I'm not going to put these scriptures up here because I've read them many, many times before. But if you're taking notes, write those references down. Proverbs 16, 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than takes, than he who takes a city. In other words, if, you're, if your emotion of anger is under the control of the Holy Spirit then the fruit of your life is going to be richer than the most powerful person in the world. The joy of your life, the fulfillment of your life, the contentment of your life. Ang anger uncontrolled by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says you can anger and what? Not sin. 
So that's what we're talking about. Anger is a legitimate emotion. You know what anger does? It shows that you care about something. But anger out of control will ruin your marriage. It'll ruin your relationship with your children. It'll ruin your career. It'll ruin your life, your everyday life. Proverbs 29, 11, a rebel shouts in anger. A wise man holds his temper, and I love this, in the living Bible, and cools it. Just cool it, baby. Just cool it. Here's the scripture of Farrell Hardison 4-7. Simmer down now. That's, that's, from, that's from my translation. All right? Poor decision number three. Y'all with me? Poor decision number one, he chose to be self-indulgent. Poor decision number two, he chose to hold on to bitterness. Poor decision number three, Samson chose to live carelessly. He chose to live carelessly. Samson was strong physically, but his strength was from God. You have to remember that even his physical strength was from God. And that physical strength came because he made some commitments in his youth. And when he made those commitments in his youth, God granted him supernatural strength. He made some vows. He was a Nazarite, and he made some vows not to, not to drink alcohol. He made a vow not to uh, eat certain things, to eat a very special diet. And then he made the pledge, and we all know this one, the vow to what? Not cut his hair. Now, those three things are not necessarily on, on your personal checklist, but as a Nazarite, they were. And the point is, his strength was not in his hair. You do understand that, right? His strength was not in his hair. His strength was in the commitments he had made. His strength was in the vows he had made to God and in the keeping of those vows. So the problem came when, over time, Samson forgot his commitments. Problems came into Samson's life when over time he forgot those vows he had made and he compromised. Remember we talked about core values a couple weeks ago? He began to compromise his core values and he began to cave into his desires, that self-indulgence. He began to cave into his feelings, his emotions, and he simply stopped taking his vows to God seriously. Listen, Farrell Hardison's going to have trouble. Millie Hardison's going to have trouble. We could name all the staff and all their wives, and we could name the best Christians in this church. Listen to me. We're all going to have trouble when we stop taking vows we've made to God seriously. We're going to have problems. We're going to welcome the enemy to work in our life. The careless attitude he had shows up most clearly in Delilah's barbershop. In Judges chapter 16, the enemies of Satan had promised Delilah a fortune if she would find out the secret of Samson's strength. You remember the story of how Samson toyed with her and he would tell her, you know, this is, and we could go through all that, we just don't have time. He'd say, well, this is the secret of my strength when it wasn't really. And then these guys would come out to kill him and then he would burst, you know, from the restraints or whatever and he would take their life. I mean, that happened about two or three times. i got to tell you something. After a while, I think I would have thought, hmm, I believe she's trying to kill me. Because every time I tell her a secret, all these guys bust in and try to kill me. I wonder if Delilah could really not be a good girlfriend for me. <laughs> and my response to that would be a Greek word, duh. <laughs> so the Bible says, and this is important, and this is where it comes home to us. Day after day, 
she prodded him. Day after day, she worked on him, trying to find the secret of his strength until one day he was tired and he told her the truth. It's so important that you understand that Samson didn't give in in one day. But over time, the enemy worked on him, worked on him, prodded him. He wasn't praying. He wasn't reading his Bible. He wasn't communing with God. He wasn't maintaining his spiritual strength. So over time, he gave in and told her that it was in his hair which was not the source of his strength, really, but was a picture of the vows he had made. It was a picture of the commitments he had made, and he told her over time. And then we read some of the saddest words ever written in the Bible, some of the saddest words ever written anywhere in the Bible. Let's look at it. It's in the book of Judges, chapter 16 and verse 20. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And she had cut his hair. And he woke from his sleep and thought, assumed I will go out as before and I will shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Sad words. Sad words. You know, he really doesn't leave us. We leave him. We walk away from him. So what's the lesson? First of all, strong people discipline their their desires. Lesson number two, strong people restrain their reactions. Here's the one for this final point. Strong people keep their commitments. Strong people keep their commitments. It'll make you have a better year if you will make righteous, godly, Bible-centered commitments. Remember we talked about core values? And keep them in this new year. And it'll be tough to keep them this new year. You know why? Because of the thing I talked about at the beginning of my sermon. We live in a world that is more and more anti-God, more and more anti-Bible, more and more anti-church, more and more anti-Jesus. And you're trying to live for God. And I'm telling you, to live for God, you've got to go that way. And the flow of the world is going to hell. And you've got to go against that flow. Who's with me? You've got to go against that flow. So I'm just telling you, make some commitments. Stick to those commitments. Listen, nobody ever plans to be a failure. I don't know a single alcoholic who the day they became an alcoholic, they said, my goal has been accomplished. Nobody intends when they start drinking to be an alcoholic. Nobody goes to the marriage altar and going, man, I can't wait to get this over with because I'm going to get me a divorce. Nobody goes to the marriage altar intending to get divorced. Nobody takes a drink intending to become an alcoholic. Failure comes when we are careless with our commitments. Strong people never take their commitments lightly. Strong people are vigilant about choosing the right commitments and keeping those commitments. When you are committed to the right things, you will be strong. When a church is committed to the right things, that church will be strong. Samson was committed to one thing, himself. 
He was committed to the fulfillment of his desires. No commitment to the things of God, no discipline in his life, allowing the Holy Spirit to help him. He didn't realize what a lot of people don't realize. Listen to this, because I'm going to just slow down right here and make sure you get this. Discipline brings freedom. Discipline doesn't bring bondage. You say, well, I want the Holy Spirit in my life, but you know, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's got all these rules. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Word of God does not bind you. The Word of God sets you free. A personal relationship with Jesus doesn't put you in bondage. If you're not having a personal relationship with Jesus, listen to me, you're in bondage. He has come to set you free. He says it in John chapter 3, I've come to set them free. Freedom is in the discipline. It is in the discipline toward what is righteous and pure and holy. Undisciplined people are slaves to their flesh. They're in bondage to their desires. What is the weak link in your life? And as I close this message, I want to close it with sort of a good news, bad news kind of thing. First, the good news. Look at Judges 16 and 21. I'm sorry, first the bad news. Here's the bad news. So the Philistines seized him because his hair was cut. He was no longer strong. He's like any other man. So they seized him and they gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles, and they set him to grinding in the prison. I love what the old Pentecostal preacher said, sin is binding, sin is blinding, and sin is grinding. Samson, the champion of Israel, the he-man, the, the, the superman of Israel, is now a sideshow. He's a joke. He lost everything. Lost his prestige, lost his strength. He lost his influence, he lost his potential, he lost his freedom. And ultimately, we'll see when you read this story to the end, he loses his life. But then it brings us to the good news, and that's in Judges 16, the very next verse, 16:22. But the hair on his head began to what? Somebody say hallelujah. His hair began to grow again after it had been shaved. Samson's hair was not the source of his strength, but his long hair was a symbol of his vow, a symbol of his commitment to God. While he was bound, while he was grinding at the mill round and round, many days and many hours, he had a lot of time to think, where is God in my life? I've made a mess. I'm suffering the consequences of my choices. Could there be a second chance for me? No way. No way, he thought. Not for me. I've gone too far. I've done too much. I've been too bad. But then he thought again, what if there is still a second chance for me? And Samson recommitted his life to God. Are y'all glad we serve the God of a second chance? Can I ask y'all something? Anybody ever needed a third chance? Um, anybody ever needed a 300th chance? <laughs> How many of y'all know we serve a God that as long as you come back in sincerity, he'll always be there with arms open? I don't care what you've done. I don't care what your sin is. Now, I've got to tell you this. I've got to preach it all. If you keep doing the same stuff over and over again, 
and you got to keep coming back every day, then you're not committing that thing to God. Amen? you got to grow beyond that. you got to grow beyond that where if you're still repenting of the same sins you were repenting of 10 years ago, you're not making any progress. Amen. So as you grow, you develop. You're going to always come to God and go, I need some mercy here. I need some forgiveness. But you're going to develop. You're going to grow. You're going to leave some things behind. That's called the work of sanctification in your life. And you need to pray for that. Sanctify me, O God, so that I will grow and things that I'm battling with now and, and that are temptations for me now won't be a temptation in the future because I will have grown beyond that desire. I will have grown beyond that lust, that temptation. Amen? Are y'all with me? So Sam, Samson recommitted his life to God and his greatest victory as a man of God came on the last day of his life. And that's the good news. We are sometimes careless about our commitments. Would you all agree with that? But God's never careless about his commitments to us. Never. You're never going to go to him and he, he go, oh man, I'm so sorry. I know I committed that to you and I've blown it. He'll never say he's blown it because he's always faithful in his commitments to you. As a matter of fact, when you go to Hebrews chapter 11, where it lists all the Old Testament people of faith who were a mighty people of faith, guess whose name is there? Samson. Samson's name is there. I just think that's awesome. It just shows us that he is the God who never gives up on us. Even though Samson was self-indulgent, even though he was bitter, even though he was careless with his commitments, God never turned his back on him. God never gave up on him. So the question is, what is out of control in my life? What's out of control in your life? You might be able to hide it, but you know it's there. You know it's there. Appetites, habits, finances, morals that are out of control and you've hidden it from everybody. Of course, God knows and you know and some other people who maybe aren't really in your life with all the other people in your life, they know. Whether it's big or small, you know it's out of control. And whether it's big or small, you know it'll eventually sink you. The weeds will take over. Who are you carrying a bitterness toward? You think of them and you get a little bitter, sour taste in your mouth when you, they even cross your mind. It's time to forgive them. You say, they don't even care if I forgive them. Yeah, you know what? Forgiveness is not so much about them. Forgiveness is more about you. For, unforgiveness is like sand in a motor. It doesn't, it doesn't kill it immediately, but over time... It ruins that motor. Don't carry it into the new year. Don't carry it into the new year. I'm telling you, that person who treated you with injustice and treated you so unfair, I'm telling you right now, you're letting them control your joy. Let it go. And then finally, what have you become careless about? More importantly, what are you committed to are you taking God seriously or are you serving him casually and when it's convenient? Let's all stand. We're going to pray for anybody who wants us to pray for them after this service is over. If you're a first-time guest, wow, 
you came today. Awesome, man. We're so glad you did. Make sure you pick up a gift on the way out. We've got free Bible materials over here. You can pick up on your way out as well, right over here behind this camera. Pick that up. We're gonna, we got our prayer team with us. we got some staff members here today. We're going to come to the front and pray with people, and we'll be glad to pray with you before you go. Father, thank you for January 1, 2017. Thank you for this awesome word. I don't mean it was an awesome sermon. I don't mean I'm awesome, but you're awesome, infallible, inerrant word. Thank you. Thank you, God, for not just putting victories and success in the Bible, but putting the failures of men in the Bible, because it seems that we learn more from how men failed than we do from all the victories and all the successes. Thank you for the example of Samson today. Thank you for this word. Go home with us. Don't let us walk out and forget this message, but let us think about it today and in the days to come that we might become more like you as we go in the new year. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Happy New Year, guys. God bless you.